0: Welcome to the Fintech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 304. This is your host, Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lended Fintech. Before we start this episode, I want to tell you about a brand new event from Lended Fintech. Fintech Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, will be the first major in-person fintech event of the past 18 months. A hand-curated audience of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors will be meeting face-to-face at an event 100% focused on doing deals. It will be happening in Miami on September 1st and 2nd. You can apply to join and find out more at Lendit.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Kirill Bensonoff. He is the co-founder and head of product at New Silver. Now, New Silver is a really interesting company. They're a tech-forward fix and flip lender. They also have other lending products, but we're really focusing on the fix and flip space, but we're focusing on that combined with decentralized finance because they did the the world's first uh, DeFi real estate transaction earlier this year and I, so I wanted to get Kirill on the show to talk about why Go into DeFi, why be a trailblazer here, and how the mechanism works, how investors are able to participate, how they are able to, to really close millions of dollars in financing through, through DeFi. Uh, so, we talk about how all that works. And he also provides uh, what he thinks the future holds uh, uh, for DeFi and for New Silver. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Kirill. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's get started with a little bit of background. I mean, this uh, you've been an entrepreneur for a while. Sounds like you've done a few different things. Why don't you give us some of the highlights to date?
1: Oh, yeah. I've done, I've done a few different things, that's for sure. So, you know, like you said, I, I started... Uh, my first company was while I was in college. Uh, it was a web hosting company that kind of got me started. As an entrepreneur, I came to this country as a teenage immigrant with my parents and certainly like always was interested in doing my own thing. So, you know, that kind of lived the spark. And then, um, you know, post-college, I had a IT services company that focused on managed services. We're we're one of the first managed services companies in the area. And then out of that, we spun out a software company that was just a really young software startup that was acquired uh, fairly early on. And then I had a couple other things in between, and and uh, you know what I'm involved with now is New Silver. New Silver is a loan originator in the fix and flip space, uh, tech forward loan originator, and we're doing a bunch of interesting things, I think, to make the the lending process uh, faster, easier, and less costly for everyone.
0: Right. So, what was sort of the genesis behind New Silver? Can you tell us sort of what you saw and why it started up?
1: Absolutely. So I became familiar with fix and flip investing some years ago through a friend of mine, and I kind of always always liked it. I mean, there is a great yield. It's secured by you know real assets. It brings value to real estate entrepreneurs who are basically you know very small businesses, individuals who come from trades, who come from various backgrounds, and who can essentially you know earn a very very nice income if they put their minds to it. So I was very intrigued by by what was going on there. And I was looking into it, and I looked at the technology initially, and I thought that the technology behind the lenders today was a little bit dated, a little bit uh, part of what I've seen in the consumer lending world. And by the way, I, I had no experience in, in fintech or little experience in fintech and no experience in lending prior to uh, New Silver, you no know, formal experience. And uh, so we approached it initially as a potential technology startup but then you know we thought for various reasons we thought that we could do a lot more being the lender ourselves and that was, it was there was a lot of very interesting things there and so we decided to you know build the product test the product and and lend our own capital
0: okay so maybe um you could tell us a little bit about the breaking down the different types of loans you do and what are the loan terms that sort of thing
1: sure absolutely so our bread and butter is the fix and flip loan Uh, It's basically a bridge loan that's usually 12 months in duration, but it can go up to 24 months. And the purpose of the loan is for uh, someone to buy a property, typically a residential, you know, one to four family, but we do larger as well. That is in some condition that needs a rehab, essentially acquire the property, rehab the property, and then resell it. So that's We do a majority of that. We do, uh, we lend for new fix and flip projects. We do refinances and then we lend for ground up construction, which is very similar, except that either they're buying land or they already own land, or they're going to essentially demolish the house and build a new structure. And then we also do a 30-year rent uh, loan. This is uh, what's called in the industry a DSCR loan. It's kind of similar to what a bank would do uh, for an investment property, except the difference is that. It's an asset-based loan, so we don't really look at mm-hmm. you know what the income, what the losses are in the individual or the company. We just look at the asset, make sure that it's uh, the value is there, make sure that it's uh, profitable, um, and then the loan. That one we do in conjunction with a partner, typically. So yeah, those are the four products that we have.
0: Right. Okay. And so, and how have you funded these loans historically?
1: Yeah. So I mean, when we started the business. Uh, we learned that there was a lot of interesting dynamics. So we raised a little bit of capital, our own money, a little bit of friends and family types of capital. And we would essentially fund the loan with the capital. And then we developed a few partnerships and then we would sell the loan off to one of these partners. And there's a number of companies out there that were aggregators essentially and and buying up loans from originators like us and then either securitizing them or or doing something else with them with a bigger volume. So that was our model from the beginning.
0: Right. Okay. And we're going to get into the new model here in a little bit. But before we do that, I do want to just sort of get a little bit of your your background. I know you've been interested in crypto for some time. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what your interest is there, how long you've been following the, the crypto space and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so I, I learned about cryptocurrencies, I think, back in 2013, and I actually bought Bitcoin, I remember. In, I live in Massachusetts, and I went to Cambridge, and I think it was a student from MIT that I met, and uh, we met online on a platform for, for these types of transactions. We met in person, and basically, you know, I bought, I can't remember, one or two Bitcoin off of this person, and uh, he transferred it to me in my wallet. I brought cash. So that was uh, my <laughs> first Bitcoin transaction. <laughs> We met like a bar and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was like a little bit of a a strange transaction, but you know, it worked and and I was really interested in, where this is all going, so I continued to pay attention. I wasn't really a big investor in, in crypto at the time. I mean, there wasn't really much available other than Bitcoin and right. other things coming out as well. And but I, I've always kind of read news and kept an eye on it. I I thought that there was some interesting dynamics there. And and then 2017 or so, myself and my and a partner, we tried to do a startup in the crypto space, which didn't work out unfortunately. But that you know that kind of gave me I guess a closer hands on view at the positives and the negatives that go on in the space. And so, you know, I kind of continued on from there. But, you know, after that, we started uh, New Silver. And really, I continued to be interested in cryptocurrencies, but New Silver was not a cryptocurrency related business at the time. I mean, it still really isn't, but, uh, you know, we've introduced some components, which I'm sure we'll talk about.
0: Right, right. I do want to get into that. Um, but maybe we can start that process by talking about decentralized finance or DeFi, because this is really what we're really talking about here. Is you sort of DeFi for real world assets? But you know, did you sort of first hear about DeFi and think, "Aha, we can take advantage of that"? Or how did sort of the genesis uh, come around uh, with sort of the DeFi world and the hard money lending world?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought there wasn't there wasn't that specific thought, but when I learn about DeFi, I thought that at some point, this is going to encompass other assets, the real world assets, non-crypto assets. And um, you know this was way, way before maybe 2017 or, or so. But I, I always thought that this was potentially a way to do some interesting financing. And I knew some folks in the industry and I, and I met some folks at MakerDAO, around that time, and and we started talking about what can be done and, and, you know, they're interested in exploring. And so that kind of sort of started the conversation way back then.
0: Right, right. Maybe you could explain for the audience what exactly MakerDAO is and also its token um, DAI, which is part of, you know, how you're um, gathering investment capital. But explain just what MakerDAO is.
1: Sure. MakerDAO. Uh, DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous organization. So it's really not a company or an entity of any sort. Uh, they did have a foundation, but they, I believe, have dissolved it recently. So it's really a truly decentralized entity that at its core, what it does is it takes in, you know, they, the way they started out is they would take Ether as collateral and they would lock it into what they call a vault. And out of that collateral, they would issue a stablecoin coin called DAI. And a stable coin has two or probably more flavors. The most common flavor today is a collateral-backed uh, stable coin like USDC or Tether or USDT or a number of others. And what they do is they essentially take in collateral in fiat currency, US dollars, or or what have you, and then issue a one-to-one Uh, stablecoin backed by that collateral. So in theory, if you have uh, one USDC, you can go to Circle and then trade that one USDC for $1. So that keeps it on par with dollars. Now DAI and MakerDAO are, I believe, super innovative. And I think what they've done is as close to genius as it gets, in my opinion. So they've developed an algorithmic, non-collateral-based stablecoin. They take collateral and then the issue die you know that's at like 50% or or some amount of loan to value and then they get paid at interest rate a uh, small interest rate and because of the whole ecosystem that exists and and there's there's a lot of things i don't know i, I don't put myself out as a prominent makerdao expert but but mm-hmm. they they built up a fairly large Ecosystem and and they've got you know a, a lot of you know a fair amount of collateral. It's in the tens of billions. I haven't looked recently, and I think there's like four billion dai out there. And because of the arbitragers and, and other folks involved and the trust that's placed in this organization, dai mimics or or stays very very close to being one to one with U.S. dollar. And they've lost this peg to dollar a couple of times in these, you know, uh, super liquid events that took place over the years, but it quickly recovered and and they've handled all the issues very, very well. So it's one of the, you know, one of the largest market cap uh, stable coins and it's not backed by fiat currency.
0: Right, right. So then why did you decide to sort of go this route where you can, you know, you're really putting, and we'll get into the details of it in a sec, but... What was in it for you? Why did you decide to go to all this work and all this trouble to to fund these loans through DeFi?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think the short answer is because I believe that's the future mm-hmm. in some way or another. I don't know if it'll be DAI or it'll be something else, but I, I believe that. And not that, again, not that fiat and, and the sort of traditional financing will go away. I do think that the two are merging, are, are going to continue to merge. But I, I thought that it took us a lot of work and it still continues to be a ton of work to, you know, to utilize this ecosystem. It's not as easy uh, in a lot of ways compared to what we had done before. It may not be as easy as it would be to go to like a bank or a fund and get financing and, and funds are in your bank because we work with fiat currency uh, with our borrowers. But what I envision happening, you know, at some point and maybe sooner than later is that A, this is going to allow us to do a lot more automation, right? Mm -hmm. So we hopefully soon will be able to uh, originate a loan and then essentially pledge the collateral and get the loan from TinLake, from MakerDAO, in essence, and and potentially other investors very, very quickly. Um, I also envision the transparency of the whole process will greatly be improved by it being on the blockchain. So in not too distant of to a future, you will be able to open. So, so our loans are basically an NFT. They're you know, a blockchain asset in the form of an NFT. You'll be able to look at this NFT and maybe learn about how this loan is performing. Uh, maybe learn about, you know, what the what the yield has been, what it's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And then maybe this loan could be transferred to another party or a third party, right? So I do believe this is going to make everything a lot faster, a lot more transparent, and um, it'll be eventually it'll be more convenient for everyone.
0: Right, right. That That is the potential. So, let's talk about sort of the mechanisms that you funded this loan via. I mean, I know that uh, I have a Metamask wallet and I'm on um, Centrifuge right now. And I'm actually looking at your um, New Silver 2 deal here. So, maybe explain, I mean, you know, you, you decided to put this on Centrifuge and I will link to all this in the in the show notes, but what's sort of the pool, what was involved in the pool and how it sort of got onto Centrifuge and got funded?
1: Yeah, so uh, Cent- the Centrifuge folks are a group of very smart people and they've developed uh, the software uh, that basically seeks to bring real world assets to the blockchain. And so they've developed a product called Simlake, which enables their asset originators, we're one of them. To take a loan that we had closed, you know, in the real world and turn that into an NFT, turn it into a blockchain asset. And that, that NFT, and, and there's a the legal side, you know, the traditional legal side to it as well. It's not just blockchain at this time, but perhaps eventually it will be. Um, so in, in this NFT represents a collateral, it represents a loan, which then gets locked into Tin Lake. You know, and then out of that, either people or or entities like, again, entities loosely, but MakerDAO, uh, decentralized entity, perhaps others in the future can participate and essentially uh, invest, die. And there's um, a couple different ways to invest. They have a a senior tranche called DROP so that the senior tranche has more protection, more uh, funds in front of it. And it pays a fixed interest rate. And then there's a junior tranche called TIN, uh, which is a separate tranche, you know, much riskier of an investment. And that that pays a variable interest rate. So people can go to Tin Lake and then they can, if they choose to invest, they can invest into one of these tranches. They invest in a whole pool, not a particular loan. And then you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff there. But at the end of the day, you know, we pledge the collateral as the asset originator, and then we can get a loan from Tin Lake. Which can consist of the MakerDAO uh, funds plus some funds that you know individual investors can contribute.
0: Right, right, and you know I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it, you know that you had um, you know this was an offering that seemed like it was five million DAI, five thousand DAI, which is basically five thousand um, dollars minimum investment, and I noticed that you. You reduced the APR. Um, it was, I think, at five percent, and now it's at four. So, tell us a little bit about uh, what happened there.
1: Yeah, I, I think we the the reason for that is there's quite a lot of demand. I mean, we've got right now the the pool is closed. It's oversubscribed, so we're not taking on uh, new investors right this moment. So, you know, there's so much demand out there, and. The reason for that is that we wanted to be able to reduce the rates that we originate at, that we right. offer to our borrowers to basically bring forward the best borrowers to increase uh, origination volumes and then, you know, in turn, you know, put the uh, lock the collateral into Tin Lake and and you know, have some have a little bit of room to play with there. And so, you know, reducing the drop rate uh helps that a little bit i don't think this is going to be a permanent reduction by any means um, on top of the interest rate centrifuge also has reward tokens that they pay out to all of the investors that you know invest in, in either tranche and and you know they they reward everyone uh for participating in the ecosystem
0: right Right. And so, this offering is closed. Um, we're recording this on June 8th. This is going to be published on uh, June 18th. And so, you said there is going to be uh, another series that you're going to put on on Centrifuge?
1: It may be another series or maybe the same series that we'll just open up. But yeah, we, we expect to open the pool up in the next couple of weeks um, again. And um, you know we're going to be working with MakerDAO hopefully soon to increase the, the debt ceiling. So, right now, we have $5 million the MakerDAO um, has essentially capped uh, the, the maximum uh, line of credit, if you want to call it that, at. Uh, so we hope to, as over time as we originate and uh, the relationship gets stronger, we hope to ask the community for an increase.
0: Right. Okay. And then inside the pool, it says like there's 28 different assets, average financing amount 232,000 DAI, and... Average maturity at 12.4. I mean, are these sort of a pretty typical, typical fix and flip type loans you've got in here?
1: Exactly. Yeah. We focus on sort of the middle of the road uh, fix and flip projects. You know, we try not to go too high or too low. The, the overarching thesis here is that people need places to live in. Uh, there's right now, there's a short supply of housing stock, but even if there's not, the housing stock in a lot of areas is outdated. And uh, has been built, you know, 100 plus years ago in in many areas. And so uh, the fix and flip community has a huge part to play in uh, revamping these homes and making them livable and, and, you know, at the same time earning an income while doing it. Right. So those are the typical loans. Correct.
0: Right. Okay. So then, can you explain how the cash flow works? I mean, I know there's other other platforms out there that there're probably several listeners have invested in. Uh, We just recently had lending home on the show, and often with those investments, you typically often get like a small interest payment every month, and then the you know the balloon when the when the maturity comes in. I mean, how are the cash flows work in this system?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit different because. When Centrifuge built the system, they, I think, try to get as close to decentralized finance as possible. It's not always possible with these real world assets, but the way that it would work is if an investor invested capital, whether it's um, if it's in a a senior tranche uh, drop, they could then, you know, there's not a steady payment per se, but the drop they invest in, let's say they buy, uh, I don't know, 5,000 drop and it's one die each Right by the time, and they keep it there for I don't know X amount of months. So this drop will appreciate in value. So it's more of a net asset value okay. uh, calculation, right? So then when they they redeem, because a drop is actually a token, so everybody would need to have a MetaMask or you know, some kind of a wallet to uh, to do these transactions. So uh, and then obviously die. So you know, so I can actually walk through the whole process. I mean, if you have a wallet like MetaMask, you know, you'd want to see it with some die. Um, and then, if you go to Tin Lake, you can essentially buy drop tokens, um, and then Dai would go to Tin Lake, and then you would get the drop token into your wallet. And then, if you come back, let's say some number of months later, you will uh, the drop should appreciate as the nat- net asset value changes based on the fixed interest rate. So, you know, a, a year from now, it should cost. Uh, you know, a dollar plus four percent so dollar four. um, I mean, it's it's not a uh, it's not a simple uh, appreciation. so probably be a little bit more than that. but you know, based on the interest rate, it would appreciate so when you redeem it, you would get more die back. That's the idea,
0: right. yeah, and actually, as we've been talking here, I've been looking and the die is appreciating in real time in your your drop tranche value is, that's right, is, uh...
1: that's right. That's another nice thing about it is that it's actually real time. it's basically built to calculate up to, uh, I think it's, you know, some number of seconds that it changes.
0: So can investors have, um like, are you locked in till maturity? Um, can you sort of sell these tokens at any time? Or how you does can, that work?
1: You can sell them at any time, but of course, you know, there should be enough capital to pull out your investment. So it depends on what's available in Tin Lake. It depends on what, like if they're the maker, A line is open, you know, uh, drop investors may be able to pull out of there. Yeah, it depends on those factors. So I think for the junior tranche, the expectation is that they will hold the investment uh, for a little bit longer, but for senior, for the drop tokens, which is what the majority of people are investing in, they can buy and sell, um, you know, fairly frequently. And, And we've already seen many of both transactions
0: take place. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So, and that's, the, so this is all run by Centrifuge and I should actually note to listeners will know that uh, Jason Jones, one of the co-founders of Lend at FinTech, you know, he is very um, involved in Centrifuge and um, he's sort of one that introduced us, Kirill. So I want to give him a shout out. Um, yeah, you, Jason. yeah. And so I'm just not like, is Centrifuge. I'm just trying to sort of put it into a traditional asset sort of world where people can understand like, this is on the Centrifuge platform on Tin Lake, and are they kind of like the the asset manager, or how do you what what would you call Centrifuge, using an example from traditional finance?
1: Hmm. I don't know, actually. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a finance guy, but I mean, they're they're the technology that enables uh, the securitization, if you will. Um, I mean, it's probably as close to that as as, as I right. think.
0: Yeah, it obviously has a lot in common with traditional securitization. You've got a junior tranche and a senior tranche. Junior tranche is potentially higher risk and higher reward, which is obviously very similar to traditional securitization. Um, Okay, so then, know what are the economics for New Silver here? What, how are you getting paid?
1: Sure, I mean, so when we originate a loan, there's an origination fee typically that's involved. So we keep the origination fee. And then when we finance the loan with Tin Lake, there's typically a spread that we also keep. So it's pretty similar to, you know, essentially how we've worked with our previous partners. Uh, So when, you know, loan, the people that do the loan aggregation, no buyers, they buy the note, they typically buy it with a yield spread attached that either they pay up front or they pay um, as they get paid. And in this model here, we have a yield spread and it's basically we earn it as the borrower pays us and then we pay Tin Lake.
0: Right, so is your intention to have your cost of capital here be lower than your cost of capital elsewhere, so you can really you know pass on better rates? Is that that's the
1: goal I think I think that you know, but like I said, I think cost of capital, it would certainly be nice to to have the cheapest cost of capital out there, um, but whether or not this is feasible, I, I don't know. I mean right now I think it's not much less than it would be in, you know, with the partners that we worked with before. However, I do think it could decrease further over time, but also the fact that we can automate because we're building a tech forward lender. So I think for us to be able to automate a lot of these transactions, I mean, that could mean we could, you know, we don't need to have a capital markets person or you know, we don't right. all these people doing, you know, manual tasks. That's huge.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. That would be, that is huge. And I remember when this came out, I think it was in April, if I remember rightly, and uh, I watched a video on Coindesk and they had the MakerDAO guy on saying this was the world's first ever real estate transaction conducted through DeFi and they were making quite a big deal out of it. Um, So I guess, I mean, you you are a pioneer here, um, but what's the long game when it comes to DeFi and new silver? Is it, do you hope to be able to, and obviously you talked about automation, which obviously is uh, you know, it's going to be a great benefit because this is all DeFi. All happens without uh, human intervention. But is your goal to have you know, all of your loans be funded through a DeFi platform in the long run?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're all in on, on DeFi on TinLake, Maker. I, we would love to have you know, be able to originate loans and, and make them as transparent as possible, so that everyone knows exactly what the status of each. Loaners, project, etc., and we're working towards that now. And uh, you know that that all of our loans go to to DeFi.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Well, before we close, I do want to just ask you about your angel investments because I uh, I've seen that you're a you're quite a prolific angel investor, and so maybe you could just tell us some of the what kind of projects that you're interested in funding.
1: Absolutely. So I mean, yeah, I, I look at different types of projects. To be honest. Um, I started out thinking more about enterprise IT and SaaS when I was in that game and knew a lot about it, knew kind of the updated state of affairs in in that marketplace. And I still do to some degree, but obviously uh, lately I've been looking at fintech a lot more. I am one of the founding members of an angel group called Chain Reaction, uh, which started out in Boston, but I, I think we have members from a bunch of different areas now. So it's a group of investors we get, you know, three to five uh, companies pitching after process, you know, they pitch us every month and then, you know, we can make investments individually or as a group or however. Uh, so I'm, I'm you know, fairly active there and, um, you know, have a network of people trying to pitch me all the time. So I don't have too much time for it, to be honest, but uh, right. really interesting projects come up. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there, Kirill. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of luck with uh, the future of uh, new silver and DeFi.
1: Awesome, Peter. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, see ya. You know, in some ways, I'm reminded of the early days of peer-to-peer lending, uh, sort of the... um, an example here of DeFi just really getting going in this space, but uh, you know, peer-to-peer lending got going. There were some early adopters like myself who were willing to risk their money in something that did not have a long track record. Was was all pretty new, and clearly, you know, DeFi is still pretty new, and particularly DeFi for real-world assets like we have here is brand new. And you know, it sounds like, as Kirill said, this was an oversubscribed offering. People are willing to give this a try, and and who knows, we could very well well have this be a major part of finance in the long term it has to start somewhere and you know really it's starting right here with new silver and centrifuge and you know that is something that i'll be paying attention to closely i'm going to actually try and uh, participate in a future in a future offering that they have and we'll be bringing you more and paying attention to this uh, new trend as time goes on anyway on that note i will sign off i very much appreciate you listening and i'll catch you next time Bye. Before we go, I want to remind you about the brand new event from Lended Fintech. Fintech Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, will be the first major in-person fintech event of the past 18 months a hand-curated audience of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors will be meeting face-to-face at an event 100% focused on doing deals. It'll be happening in Miami on September 1st and 2nd. You can apply to join and find out more at lender.com.